This is part two of Gunfight at the Long Branch. In part one, Loving and Richardson were getting along well until early 1879, at which time Loving, who had married a woman by the name of Maddie, found Richardson acting inappropriately and disrespectfully toward his wife. This led to problems between the two men, resulting in numerous verbal clashes, and the two became involved in a fistfight on Front Street. After the fight, Richardson told Loving, I'll blow the guts out of you, you cockeyed son of a bitch to which Loving, who was not armed at the time, turned and walked away. The arguments between the two men culminated when Richardson walked into the Long Branch Saloon on April 5, 1879, intent on settling things with Loving once and for all. Loving was not in the saloon at the time, so Richardson waited for him, with Loving appearing sometime after 9 p.m. Loving seated himself at the hazard table, and Richardson went and joined him. The two, by witness accounts, had a conversation which no one could hear. Then suddenly Richardson stood and said, You wouldn't fight anything, you damned son of a bitch. To which Loving calmly replied, Try me and see. Richardson drew his gun first, prompting Loving to do the same. With the two men less than an arm's length apart, Richardson fired five rounds to Loving's six, with Richardson grazing Loving's hand, but Richardson receiving bullet wounds to his chest, side, and arm. Deputy Marshal Duffy took Richardson's gun from him right before he fell to the floor. Town Marshal Charlie Bassett arrived and disarmed and arrested Loving. The following is the Ford County Globe's account of the incident and the individual testimonies of those who witnessed the shooting. Another Tragedy, Ford County Globe, April 5, 1879. Frank Loving and Levi Richardson fight with pistols. Loving comes out with a scratch, and Richardson goes to his grave. There is seldom witnessed in any civilized town or county such a scene as transpired at the Long Branch Saloon in this city last Saturday evening, resulting in the killing of Levi Richardson, a well-known freighter of this city by a gambler named Frank Loving. For several months, Loving has been living with a woman to whom Richardson seems to have cherished tender feelings. And on one or two occasions previous to this, which resulted so fatally, they had quarreled and even come to blows. Richardson was a man who had lived for several years on the frontier, and though well-liked in many respects, he had cultivated habits of bold and daring, which are always likely to get a man into trouble. Such a disposition as he possessed might be termed bravery by many, and indeed we believe he was the reverse of a coward. He was hard-working, industrious man, but young and strong and reckless. Loving is a man of whom we know but very little. He is a gambler by profession, not much of a rowdy, but more of the cool and desperate order when he has a killing on hand. He is about 25 years old. Both or either of these men, we believe, might have avoided this shooting if either had possessed a desire to do so. But both being willing to risk their lives, each with confidence in himself, they fought because they wanted to fight. As stated in the evidence below, they met, one said, I don't believe you will fight. The other answered, try me and see. And immediately both drew murderous revolvers and at it they went, in a room filled with people, the leaden missives flying in all directions. Neither exhibited any sign of a desire to escape the other, and there is no telling how long the fight might have lasted had not Richardson been pierced with bullets and Loving's pistol left without a cartridge. Richardson was shot in the breast, through the side, and through the right arm. 
It seemed strange that Loving was not hit, except a slight scratch on the hand, as the two men were so close together that their pistols almost touched each other. Eleven shots were fired, six by Loving and five by Richardson. Richardson only lived a few minutes after the shooting. Loving was placed in jail to await the verdict of the coroner's jury, which was self-defense, and he was released. Richardson has no relatives in this vicinity. He was from Wisconsin, about 28 years old. Together with all the better class of our community, we greatly regret this terrible affair. We do not believe it is a proper way to settle difficulties, and we are positive it is not according to any law, human or divine. But if men must continue to persist in settling their disputes with firearms, we would be in favor of the dueling system, which would not necessarily endanger the lives of those who might be passing up or down the street attending to their own business. We do not know that there is cause to censure the police, unless it be to urge upon them the necessity of strictly enforcing the ordinance preventing the carrying of concealed weapons. Neither of these men had a right to carry such weapons. Gamblers, as a class, are desperate men. They consider it necessary in their business that they keep their fighting reputation and never take a bluff. On no account should they be allowed to carry deadly weapons. Adam Jackson, bartender at the Long Branch, testified as follows. I was in the Long Branch Saloon about 8 or 9 o'clock Saturday evening. I know Levi Richardson. He was in the saloon just before the fuss, standing by the stove. He started to go out and went as far as the door when Loving came in at the door. Richardson turned and followed back into the house. Loving sat down at the hazard table. Richardson came and sat near him at the same table. Then Loving immediately got up, making some remark to Richardson. Could not understand what it was. Richardson was sitting on the table at the time and Loving standing up. Loving says to Richardson, If you have anything to say about me, why don't you come and say it to my face like a gentleman, and not to my back, you damn son of a bitch. Richardson then stood up and said, You wouldn't fight anything, you damn... Could not hear the rest, Loving said. You try me and see. Richardson pulled his pistol first, and Loving also drew a pistol. Three or four shots were fired when Richardson fell by the billiard table. Richardson did not fire after he fell. He fell on his hands and knees. No shots were fired after Richardson fell. No persons were shooting except the two mentioned. Loving pistol snapped twice, and I think Richardson shot twice before Loving's pistol was discharged. A.A. Jackson. Charles E. Bassett testified. When I first heard the firing, I was at Beatty and Kelly's saloon. Ran up to the Long Branch as fast as I could. Saw Frank Loving, Levi Richardson, and Duffy. Richardson was dodging and running around the billiard table. Loving was also running and dodging around the table. I got as far as the stove when the shooting had about ended. I caught Loving's pistol. Think there was two shots fired after I got into the room. Am positive there was one. Loving fired that shot to the best of my knowledge. Did not see Richardson fire any shot and did not in him have a pistol. I examined the pistol which was shown me as the one Richardson had. It contained five empty shells. Richardson fell while I was there. Whether he was shot before or after I came in, I am unable to say. I think the shots fired after I came in were fired by Loving at Richardson. Richardson fell immediately after the shot I heard. Did not see any other person shoot at Richardson. Did not see Duffy take Richardson's pistol. Do not know whether Loving knew that Richardson's pistol had been taken away from him. There was considerable smoke in the room. 
Loving's pistol was a Remington number 44 and was empty after the shooting. Charles E. Bassett. William Duffy testified. I was at the Long Branch Saloon. I know Levi Richardson, who is now dead. I know cockeyed Frank Loving. Both were there at the time. I heard no words pass between them. They had fired several shots when Frank fell by the table by the stove. I supposed he was shot. I then scuffed with Richardson to get the pistol and threw him back on some chairs. Succeeded in getting the pistol. There might have been a shot fired by one or the other while we were scuffling. Cannot say whether Richardson had been shot previous to that time, but I think he had, as he was weak and I handled him easily. Richardson then got up and went toward the billiard table and fell. I can't swear whether any shots were fired at Richardson by Loving after Richardson was disarmed. Don't think Loving knew I had taken the pistol from Richardson. It was a few seconds after I took Richardson's pistol that he fell. Twenty-eight years old Levi Richardson was buried on Sunday, April 6, 1879. One more person to die with his boots on. James Richardson of Port Andrews, Wisconsin was in Dodge City two weeks later looking after his brother's estate. Levi's father would arrive a while later. One more family to mourn a relative killed on the frontier. Cockeyed Frank Loving was produced before a coroner's jury without any impediment. This magnificent body of frontiersmen attended to the evidence. It then promptly reached the inevitable conclusion. Levi Richardson had been killed by Frank Loving in self-preservation. The fact that Richardson's gun had five empty shells in it was all the confirmation the jury needed to reach its determination. There was nothing remarkable about it. What was remarkable was that between them, Richardson and Loving had fired 11 shots in the close confines of the Long Branch Saloon. Three bullets had struck Richardson. The other eight slugs had gone into the walls of the saloon and done no harm except to paint and plaster. Considering how crowded the place was and how wildly the two men had been firing, it was remarkable, even surprising, that no one else had been struck by any of the lead that was flying around. Following the gunfight, Loving left Maddie and his children. Frank Loving's profession as a gunman following the fight with Richardson was short and not so gentle. Only three years later, in 1882, he was liquidated in a gunfight with Jack Allen at Trinidad, Colorado. Loving must have used up most of his luck evading the bullets fired by Richardson in the Long Branch. When he went up against Allen, his luck ran out altogether. But in Dodge City, they still spoke about how two rivals shot up the Long Branch in contention over a woman named Mattie. Not much in the way of redemption, but for Levi Richardson and cockeyed Frank Loving, it would have to do. Well, Duffy started appearing at least in the newspapers uh, in Dodge City in any kind of official capacity, uh, well, official or, or otherwise, uh, in about the summer of 1878. Uh, he was uh, apparently in early in his tenure in Dodge City. He uh, started serving on the police department uh, the, as a sheriff's deputy as well. By all accounts, he was a very effective uh, officer, uh, mentioned in several accounts in the Dodge City Papers of his partnership, uh, or at least his working relationship with Bat Masterson. Uh, they worked apparently very well together, not just in tracking down uh, horse thieves, but various different uh, miscreants and, and criminals for, for whatever reason. 
Uh, Duffy also seems to have excelled at the transportation of prisoners, uh, whether to uh, from Dodge City up to, to Hayes, to, to Leavenworth, uh, and back again so that the, the higher-ranking officers did not have to do it. That, that seemed to be Duffy's forte. Levi was not very well liked in town. The only person that really liked him was Bat Masterson. So can we break down his character, personify his personality? Well, Richardson was, I think he had just stayed in Dodge City a little bit too long. Uh, the, the reason that I think he was largely not liked is his... Uh, uh, just overall persona, who he was, what he did, was much more suited to the early days of Dodge City. We're talking the uh, the pre-law years uh, before things were more organized, more, I don't want to necessarily say settled, because uh, as we see here in the story, uh, Dodge was certainly still very wild and woolly. Uh, but there was more... True, true law enforcement, there was a little more civilization in Dodge City by, by 1878, 1879. It was becoming a little more metropolitan. There were more families, school churches, that sort of thing. They were talking about shutting down Boot Hill for Pete's sake. Richardson had sort of outlived the culture of Dodge City. He was still the part of the rougher element that they were already starting to try to weed out a little bit. Uh, and because I think Bat was... Part of that early early days of Dodge City as well, he appreciated that about Richardson, whereas some of the other aspects of the city did not. Yeah, according to our re research, Bat Masterson and Levi Richardson spent time out on the buffalo field, uh, yes. fields hunting buffalo. Right. And Richardson was one of those guys that did everything, too. Uh, hunted buffalo, ranched, bartended, uh, was a, a known to be uh, quick with a gun, not necessarily the speed in which he pulled the trigger, but uh, his temperament it went to, to drawing a gun, uh, as we see here, that resulted in the end of his life. Let's talk a little bit about Cockeyed Frank Loving. Let's talk a little bit about him. I think had this incident probably not happened uh, the way that it did, uh, we would have heard a lot more about uh, Frank Loving in Dodge City. Uh, he was one of the that gambling element that Dodge City excelled in, uh, the likes of uh, of Luke Short, uh, that that type of crowd, uh, frequented the, the saloons, of course, on on both sides of the railroad tracks. By by rumor, uh, at least, a compatriot uh, briefly of Doc Holliday. Uh, there are even stories that Holliday was present at the table as well during this particular gunfight. I don't necessarily believe that, but uh, accounts several years later uh, reported, reported that he was. But there was something going on at this point in time in, in history where Bat Masterson had, uh, had actually left Ford County and gone out to the Royal Gorge mm -hmm. to help out there. And that was during this time. In fact, Bat didn't even get back until April 9th. I uh, believe according to story. So a lot of these characters uh, that may have been there in town may have also been with Bat Masterson out in the Royal Gorge uh, Ward uh, at that time. Uh, exactly, and, and Duffy was was one of those as well. Uh, another incident out there in the Royal Gorge War in uh, it was around Trinidad, I believe. Or, right. Yeah, 
And, and Trinidad, Colorado was another one of those those sites where a lot of the, the Dodge City gang went in back and forth. Bat was had secured an appointment as a United States Deputy Marshal. Even at the time, uh, he was sort of persona non grata in Dodge. After the uh, bungling, I would say, of the Cheyenne prisoners, Cheyenne Autumn, the big Cheyenne migration, uh, the previous fall, Bat was on his way out in, in Dodge anyway, at least in a legal capacity. Uh, so he, he had sort of taken it upon himself to go flash his gun around and uh, try to get a little bit more money for the western end of the railroad. And of course, a lot of a lot of the guys who were Bat's cronies uh, went with him in and out. And comparatively, it's not like they were really that far away. Uh, so it could easily be be riding in and out. But the dates are a little fuzzy uh, of of who was going in in and out there. But we can go back now to uh, Frank Loving. Uh, anything else you want to say about him before we move on to Charles Bassett? Uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry he died. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, he seems like he would have been an interesting character to get to know a little bit better. Yeah, and, and of course he went out to Trinidad, Colorado right after this. As right. A gambler, and then uh, something went wrong there, and he mm-hmm. was shot dead by... Uh, by uh, Frank Allen, uh, I think his name was, in almost the same situation. Uh, and, of course, his, his friendship with the Mastersons, uh, especially Jim, in this case, uh, Jim Masterson had gone off uh, and was the, the city marshal of Trinidad, Colorado. Uh, and Jim and cockeyed Frank being friends from the Dodge City days, uh, Jim was trying his dead-level best to save Frank's life uh, kept taking his gun away. Frank kept rearming himself uh, and going after this Allen character. And, and uh, Jim was pretty just chasing him all over town, uh, taking Frank's gun away. Sit down, Frank. Shut up. I'll take care of this. But always one step behind. And uh, Frank got his lights blown out, and there was nothing Jim could do about it. Yeah. There ends the story of uh, Cockeyed Frank Loving. I was always wondering about why they called him Cockeyed Frank. In our story, it's because he, he could look in two directions at one uh, time. One, one of his optics looked off in a northeasterly direction to the other, I think was the, uh, the old quote from the time. But I, I've always loved that. Yeah. All right, our last character is going to be Charles Bassett, which is, is huge in history. Mm. Uh, man, this guy, Charles Bassett was quite the lawman. I, I cannot sing the praises of uh, Marshal Charlie Bassett enough. He, he's not generally given the credit that he is due in popular culture. Uh, I think that has, that has come about, again, very briefly. Uh, there's been a couple of, of, of movie references mentioned by us. But uh, Bassett was... It was a hell of a character. Uh, I, I th- do think one of the best pop culture references that I've ever seen to Marshall Bassett uh, actually came from uh, the, I think it was the first episode of season two of The Life and Legend of Wyatt Earp okay. uh, with Hugh O'Brien uh, when Wyatt arrives in Dodge City and he sees these uh, lawmen riding off 
he's being introduced to them, and one of the other characters in the, in the episode uh, mentions with his voice in a tone of total reverence, uh, it's, that's Charlie Bassett. So, and if the music swells and uh, so it, great respect then yeah I'm mean, back in in, in 1956 he yeah. was recognized as a character uh, of course most of that show comes from Stuart Lake's book anyway so there was there was more name dropping than uh, than other references but uh, Charlie Bassett was not just the first lawman in Dodge City or in Ford County he was about the first lawman in Southwest Kansas. Yeah, there wasn't much law out here. Uh, there was eighteen seventy-two, and and how did he get his appointment? That's that's an interesting story because of the vigilantes mm-hmm. here in eighteen seventy-three uh, in Dodge City, and there was no law and uh, none, uh, none whatsoever. Uh, well, it took uh, took several months for Dodge City to be. In, incorporated. Right. And it was August of 18... Well, actually, I say several months, yeah. uh, several years. Right. Uh, it was it, 1875. 75. Okay. Uh, Ford County itself was not established uh, or organized, rather, is the, the appropriate term, until 1873. Okay. Uh, quite literally, just to legalize the liquor sales that were going on in Dodge City. Of course, right. the railroad fought that tooth and nail, but that's that's a different story altogether. Bassett was in Dodge, not quite from day one, but we'll call it day four or five. Uh, maybe he arrived early. Uh, he is believed to have uh, helped found the the saloon that became known as the Long Branch Saloon. And that's in the part one of the story. Uh, it, it, we did make mention of that. About yes, of the Long Branch, him mm-hmm. owning the Long Branch. Right, he was one of the first owners of the Long Branch, and, mm-hmm. and so yeah. The Chocolate Beeson, of course, is probably the one who made it the most famous. Uh, but but Be- or Bassett is credited with with starting the saloon. Wanted uh, sheriff of Ford County um, in 1873 when it was organized, and then in 1875 when the city, the municipality of Dodge City, gained a legal status to start appointing its own city law. Bassett was was the first choice. Uh, well, you mentioned that by this point he he's a little on the frustrated side, uh, and I I think that's accurate because he's been doing this job longer than anybody uh, by far. Uh, in in the early years, as I say, about the first lawman in Southwest Kansas. At that time, Ford County uh, had, for judicial purposes, the law in all of Southwest Kansas. Uh, from uh, the edge of the the state line down to no man's land in the south. So he had a lot of territory to cover. Uh, As Dodge got more civilized, uh, and part of that civilization also means Dodge City was getting more political, Bassett was starting to have enough. Uh, Like many of the others uh, in, in Dodge City law enforcement, after the fall of 1878, uh, which was not just involved with, of course, the, uh, the Cheyenne raids in, in their migration north, uh, the Dora Hand incident uh, played a major, uh, major role in the disillusionment of many Dodge City Peace officers uh, in October of 1878. Uh, so by the spring of 1879, they were coming in looking toward another, another summer season of the 
the swelling of, of the cattle trade, all the gamblers moving back in, uh, Dodge was, was going to get wide open and just explode again, as it always did in the summer months. I think he was looking past, being frustrated, uh, not looking forward to what was coming. Uh, he was, he was kind of, I believe, looking towards maybe retirement. As time went on, uh, Bassett became more hands-off, more of an administrator, uh, especially after, again, the fall of 1878. Uh, he's got underlings, let them go do the job while I... I'll fill out paperwork and tell them what to do. That's it for now. We hope you enjoyed our show. And remember, you can check out all of our Wild West podcast shows on Player FM series, Wild West podcast, iTunes podcast, Spotify, Amazon, AnyPod, or at wildwestpodcast.buzzsprout.com. We would like to conclude our show by reminding our listeners to check out our up-and-coming digital bookstore by visiting BoothillProductions.com and select publications. We would also like to thank our sponsors, Boothill Distillery, and if you would like to sponsor our show, just send us an email at wildwestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to our podcast. This podcast is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribute Non-Commercial License. You can learn more about the Legends of Dodge City at worldfamousgunfighters.weebly.com or by visiting our new Facebook page at www.facebook.com Wild West Podcast. Podcast.